the table D&D podcast wow you're just taking taking the reins and doing the intro yeah, for I'll me. just do it all yeah, I'll just, okay fine I'll do just sides. you do it I'll leave you can <laughs> fucking do the intro uh, this is headline to table where I give our dungeon master west a current event or historical event to adapt into a one-off D&D campaign which we then inflict on unsuspecting pawns with uh, various tasks for them to complete. Uh, I hate them so fucking much. They really suck. They really do suck. Well, let's just jump right in. We, Our first episode, we did the Thai soccer team. Mm-hmm. So we had exploring caves. Our pawn explored trying to find someone or something. Uh, the second episode was Escape from Alcatraz. So there was... I mean, there was a world they were in. It was isolated, and it was up to them. They were kind of put through a routine. Very strict criteria, right. timelines, mm-hmm. schedules, yeah. Right. So I've been wanting to get some more pawns involved. I don't want it to just be one. You know, two worked okay. But the mm. more people you add, the more time it takes, obviously. So I, I, what I my idea here is for something that is very isolated but involves... Four pawns. Okay. Okay. Um, on October 26th, 1881, uh, brothers Virgil, Morgan, and Wyatt Earp, along with temporary <laughs> lawman Doc Holliday, rolled up to confront a gang called the Cowboys in Tombstone, what was Arizona Territory. And the ensuing shootout became known as the gunfight at the OK Corral. So the gunfight at the OK Corral <laughs> will be... <laughs> what I want you to adapt. That is awesome. So what we have here is a situation that takes mostly place in one little small area, mm-hmm. although you can do with that what you will. Uh, the people kind of roll up on each other. There are two sides. Neither one is necessarily expecting to fight. And then there's a brief but savage outburst of violence that, according to historians, really only lasted less than a minute. Obviously, oh. that it's going to last how long it's going to last mm-hmm. with our pawns. But my idea here being that two of them are on one side, potentially some sort of law enforcement. Two of them are potentially some kind of criminal. Uh, and they're meeting and basically having it out in a short time to decide who wins. So four pawns. Mm-hmm. Is it four on against the opposing forces or... Or oh wow! I hadn't even considered that. I mean, that would be up to you. I I sort of imagined it as being a two-on-two because I would like to make the pawns fight each other. I don't know how entertaining or even viable person-to-person combat is. Is it harder to DM a person-against-person fight as a one-off? No. So we've done this before, where we'll select random challenge ratings of creatures and be like, I'm going to be this giant scorpion. You be this elephant. Okay. And we'll fight just like for fun. Yeah. And we'll just be like, let's just roll it out. And you can do that easily. Go like two versus two, but it will be hard to do any of the lead up to that because obviously they're not going to be together during the lead up. So you'd have to like bring them in at separate times where we could potentially do that, where we have the first couple record 
the, f- the next couple record and then record with all four of them. <laughs> so, so the so potentially the two, I'll just call them law enforcement. If it's two on two, yeah. would would do a a pre a little bit of a prologue where maybe they saunter over from the saloon, and then the other the criminals are maybe coming up, and then they're dumped into a fight. So they have maybe mm-hmm. they maybe they have a, a room or a, a street to walk down and collect supplies or whatever it is, something like that. Do do we want to tell the pawns? You're going to fight to the death, probably each other, and then they just go at each other. Or do we want to tell? Them? I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, I'd like to give it some sort of, some sort of like context, or to like have some sort of drive. Because I'm, you know, I love the movie Tombstone. I don't know how accurate to the if we're gonna try and keep it like Tombstone the movie, or if we're gonna, I'd have to go back and look at the specifics of the whole showdown at the OK Corral. Well, tech, and yeah. figure out like what caused that specifically. Like the I death. can tell you, it was like the death of one of the well herbs. Uh, right. The, what you have the mythology is that the herbs were these noble lawmen that kind of tamed the West, and the cowboys were criminals. The cowboys were criminals. They were called the cowboys because they operated out of a ranch that where there was a lot of illegal activity going on. But the reality is that the herbs were, they were all law enforcement, but they were also the business owners of the town. And they were known to kind of really just enforce the laws in ways that mm. supported them. And before that gunfight, only one of them, Virgil, had any kind of combat experience. So these weren't guys that were West so Wyatt, hardened. So Wyatt didn't? Wyatt didn't really until later. Hmm. Because the the things you're talking about, like their brother getting shot and all of that, happened happen after. after. Yeah, that's right. So this basically is an instance of the Earps say no guns in town. The cowboys are kind of flaunting their weapons. There's like throughout the day, the Earps had been pistol whipping a bunch of cowboys in the street, kind of picking on them. And then they finally realize like, Oh, this one, this one tough dude is kind of is, is going in our face on this law that we've established. Let's go over and disarm them. So they approach the cowboys and say, disarm. And one of them pulls his gun out and it's like, oh, you want me to disarm? And then it kind of escalates into mm-hmm. just like a shootout. Apparently, you know, the Earps didn't even have their guns, a couple of them in a ready position. They didn't like the guns still on the horse or the guns in the wrong holster. The people were not expecting a fight. Yeah. So if, well, we, could, if we could make the pawns, regardless of whether they fight each other or an NPC group, if mm-hmm. they are kind of not really expecting to get into a battle and then they're suddenly confronted with it i think that would be amusing yeah you know if we lean more on the kind of pop culture mythology of wyatt earp as the noble gun like the the guy the the sheriff with the heart of gold or whatever Mm -hmm. that's fine it's not really important to me that we that we just show the nuance of like were they kind of crooked or was it a mafia mentality that the brothers had that part is not as important to me Writing this down, so what we could do is the two that are the criminals, the cowboys, they're kind of like the the man with no name coming into this town, and they hear about this mob-style family that's just running the town. Maybe like <laughs> from their perspective, may, from that's their what's perspective, going on. yeah. Maybe some one lady, on my boy, they killed my boy. They, they, she doesn't tell him that her boy was a horse thief or right. something like that. If, if this matters, I believe the cowboys and their ranch preceded the Earps showing up. It, this is different because probably the footprint of this story will be a lot smaller than what we've had, but there will probably be more fighting, mm-hmm. obviously, and we have not had players fighting each other. Yeah, so that you're going to have NPCs. 
Unless it's just two people versus two people. So you think each crew will potentially have NPCs with them? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So I'm thinking one is Doc Holliday, one is Wyatt Earp. And Wyatt's Earp character has two brothers. Okay. You something to go with here? So you think? No, you think you I, I really like on? this. I, this is this is actually probably one of my favorite ones. <laughs> one of your top three favorites, probably. Yeah, probably one of my top three favorites. <laughs> it's not a. I've been, I've been waiting for like a western one to tell you. Like in the back of my mind, I was like, I want like a western or like a civil war. Era. Yeah, sure. Yeah, like it's not it's not a current event, but I think it it's loomed large in pop culture. There are multiple mm-hmm. movies about it. People reference it. I don't care that the gunfight wasn't really at the OK Corral. It was like six doors down in some alley next to some other thing. Okay, I don't care so about that. That's something I was going to ask you is the, the I don't care about that. setting. Yeah, um, there are maps online of the town of Tombstone, like fire code maps that show where everything happened. <laughs> so that's something that, like the um, Alcatraz maps, I thought you might. They're on Wikipedia even, on the on the page, the Wikipedia page for the gunfight. The maps are on there. Um, do we have a lot more to discuss here, or do you feel like I have you a, I have a little bit. Um, yeah, what else? Do, what else do you need to know before I set you loose to? Plans? So things. So we've kind of got the gameplay dynamic. Who, kind of where they're gonna start, and then where they're gonna meet, and how we're right. gonna frame that. Okay. Um, so one thing I want to discuss: guns aren't not in D anD. d there are guns. <laughs> Didn't wasn't there a, a magic missile in one of our episodes? Magic, I was like, "What the fuck magic is missile that? is a spell?" <laughs> yeah, but uh, there are. You know, my idea is, you know, obviously you'd be like guns equals bows and crossbows, but I don't want that to be the case. Okay, like to make them only use bows or crossbows, like that's not realistic for a D and D setting. Well, I think you. Uh, something... I think swords. I think swords, magic yeah. users would be yeah. fine. I think all that stuff. We can definitely bring the NPCs into it to make more bodies. Body count. Make the bodies at the floor. How'd that yeah, sound on the new mic? Sounds great. Should we have them create the characters together? Do we want them to? Well, we could. I mean, depending, we could have them create it together. We're not going to tell them they're pitted against each other. No. I'd just be like, all right, you two are. You know, you two are... You mean all four of them Yeah, all four together. of them in the same room. They create their characters, and then we separate them. Okay. I'm going to take a look at those maps. I think that would be fun. I mean, they're not... It's cool that they exist, and I'm sure you'll find something to use there, but it's really just like a rectangular, like, bunch of storefronts. That's uh, fine. But it's That's cool what that most D&D there. maps are anyways, yeah, and I could cool. just draw one out that looks like that. Yeah. And it'd, it'd be fun to have... Some peripheral shading in of the story here. One of the cowboys had been... In court that day, there were like a series of incidents where the Earps were picking on the cowboys. You know, it, from their perspective, they were getting picked on, but it there was a simmering and had been a simmering that led to this happening. And that could be just something like you, you noticed you've noticed them around town before. Looks yeah. like a sure yeah looks like a rough and tumble guy. He's he's been in lockup before. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. I think it's just cool. I'm gonna leave, I think I'm going to leave races wide open. Okay. See, kind of see how they do it. I like leaving it open because it also makes them choose a weird things. Uh, spoiler alert for our, uh, episode two and three of our podcast. When you leave it wide open, sometimes they choose things that are 
not advantageous to the story. <laughs> like to yeah. be non-combat, non-sneaking <coughs> related characters. Sure, sure. In a prison. All right, I think this is good. Okay. I uh, we just got to get the right pawns. Um, so we need to rustle up some pawns, and then you'll plan this campaign, and we will reconvene when that's happened. Sounds good. Okay, so West has created the campaign. We're going to do a quick three-minute check-in on what he's come up with. So, West, tell me what you did with the gunfight at the OK Corral. What are our pawns in for? The pawns are in for uh, a definite two-versus-two scenario with some um, with some NPC alliances on their side. We set it in very much a Western... Think New Mexico, Arizona, arid, dry okay. climate. So it feels like the old West. Yeah, very much like that. Um, I'm gonna have the town be very diverse as far as racially. No, no restrictions on race or class. I'm gonna leave it wide open. Okay. I'm gonna keep them second level, and I'm gonna have them each play through a so, scenario. Right. So we're gonna split them into two teams. But yes. they don't know this. They don't they're know They're going to create yet. their characters, then be split them into two teams of two, and then what? They'll, they're each going to run through their own mini scenario. Mm-hmm. Yes. The we're going to have the lawmen do their do their scenario starting in the town, um, based on the actual events. And I've taken some liberties to bring in some of the maybe more fantasized events from the movie tombstones kind of blending them together right. so the law will go through their thing the outlaws go through the their okay. thing but very much each side thinking they're the good team okay and then as we bring them together for the joint session that's when i'll reveal the the that this is based on the shootout of the okay corral so they when they play through individually though they will not know that they're headed for a confrontation with each other they, you know, they might have suspicions sure, if we if sure. we split them up, but exactly. we are not telling them. For all they know, they're all on each other's side. Okay. Um, and you're giving them what kind of character restrictions in terms of level? Second level. Okay. So not super powerful. Second level, you have you know couple couple uh, class it's, bonuses, is... a couple new abilities that will help you. And if you're a spellcaster, maybe you can get a couple better spells under your belt. But I want them to be a little squishy. I want yeah. them to be able to die. Right. And Yeah, exactly. Cool. Because the shootout at the end, either one team is going to die entirely or one man from one team is left standing. How will you determine a winner? What if the, what if the fight drags on and on? Or will you, will you declare when there's only one person left or when there's only one side left? When there's only one side left. So when one side has been completely eradicated yes. is when it will be over. Mm-hmm. I kind of have it set to where if they try and jump into it and kind of mitigate the circumstances and try and make peace, the NPCs are definitely going to push it towards a confrontation and keep okay. it going. Okay, interesting. So I definitely want it to be a shootout to the death in pro- close proximity. Given that they're only second level, it, you know, it could be a three, four round fight where it's, okay. you know, in real time... I think they say 10 seconds per round, so it could be 40 seconds, 50 seconds. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, I'm excited. You will off mic give the character stipulations to our pawns. They will create it and we'll check back in. God, to... I hate them so fucking much. I know, much. they suck. Well, but we're going to meet them nonetheless and then uh, at the same time hear about their characters. Sounds good. All right, cool. So we've... Get Welcome the- to the show. I'm gonna roll some <laughs> dice. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're dead. <laughs> Rocks fall. Great Rainbow start. Dice. Great start. Everyone's Rainbow dead. <laughs> Everyone starts with uh, unconscious, <laughs> making death savings throws, and you already have two fails. What? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Conducive to fun. <clears throat> All right, so we've given the pawns a little time to create their characters, as we mentioned in our in our check in second level. No restrictions on race or class. And why don't we just go around the table? You can tell us a little bit about yourself, and then a little bit about your character. Why don't <laughs> we go with a uh, Mr. Jordan Tuchek, our uh, resident veteran pawn? I guess I'm a resident veteran pawn, so to speak. This is a uh... Third adventure, third time I've been here. So, uh, yeah, I've been here since the beginning. You uh, remember some of the earlier characters I've played. So we got Snugs, Iron Vein. Or Vein. Do fat, you remember your characters? Fat fucking dwarf. 3-5, three, 350. So how, how long have you been playing uh, Dungeons & Dragons? Oh, probably two years now, two and a half. Cool. Something of that sort. All right, so you've been playing about two years. I know, personally, Jordan has hit it hard. He probably... I've been playing for a while, and Jordan's probably knows more about, like, the nitty-gritty detail than I do. Just, that's... Uh, Jordan digs into it. So tell us a little bit about your character. So, I'm playing uh, Lugash Pugash. <laughs> <laughs> he is a cl- uh, light uh, cleric, half-orc. Um, so, Lugash Pugash... He ended up uh, having something happen to him where he was thinking people were following him. So he went to the woods to hide out for many years and kind of developed his cleric abilities. Um, And uh, he has slowly but surely have come out of the woodwork um, for the seek of knowledge and spreading around his uh, god Sune's blessing to everybody that he meets. All right, next, why don't we go around the table? We've got a newcomer to the podcast, uh, Parker. What's your last name and social security number? Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> we'll Parker. Okay, Parker. Uh, how long have you been playing uh, D&D? So this is my second game. I've been playing about three months. Nice. Yeah. All of which with uh, Mr. Tuchek. Nice, Jordan Tuchek, pawn number one. Excellent. Have you, you can join us. You fucking pawn uh tell us a little bit about your character yep so my character is a uh, gnome druid also a hermit named body knock timbers body knock timbers body knock timbers yeah that's what i was going for (laughs) so uh body knock grew up in the city uh working in the local zoo and uh when the wolf that he raised uh was on the last legs of life he retreated to the forest uh with his with his wolf buddy um but since then, his uh, pet wolf has died, and he's coming back to join civilization with nothing to live in the forest anymore. Nice. I like it. 
Keep going around the table. Devin, welcome back. Hi, it's me. I'm back. I'm Devin. <laughs> How long have you been playing D&D? Well, I played it that last time, so <laughs> plus one. <laughs> so, adventure number two. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about that character you whipped up? Yeah, I written. I wrote a short piece about him. His name is Edward Harrington. He's a British boy. <laughs> like a young uh, boy or like a man? He's 30, but he's kind of like a man child, if you will. Gotcha. Uh, he's a warlock who tries to trick everyone that he's a wizard. Ah. And here's what I wrote. <laughs> Edward Harrington always knew he was destined to be a hero. Since a young age... He studied fantasy novels as if they were holy texts, waiting for the day to fulfill his destiny as the chosen one. But on his 30th birthday, he began to give up hope. That's part one. (laughs) That is until on the eve of his 30th birthday, a mysterious mystical creature approached him offering a deal he could not refuse. Dressed as the White Witch herself, she graciously granted Edward powers beyond the known limits of possibility. (laughs) All that for the simple cost of a favor. To be named later. Ooh, drama, suspense. This is the last part. This is like what we've been building up to. While he still has a lot to learn about this hero business, Edward Harrington remains convinced of the significant... Wait, yeah, can, he remains convinced of the significance of his destiny, although blind to his shortcomings and the risk of failure. For his friends need inspiring, the helpless need helping, and evil must be stopped at any cost because he's, because that's what magical wizards like Edward Harrington do. After I've created characters or played with them, I've kind of written like backstory and stuff like that, but never announced on the first day of playing. I really liked it. I thought it was good. All right, let's go to our uh, fourth and last pawn. Please introduce yourselves to how long you've been playing D&D and tell us a little bit about your character. Uh, My name is Siggy. I have been playing Dungeons and Dragons on and off for three years. Yeah, three years. Three years. Um, before that, I played Pathfinders for, for like two years, like a long, long time ago. Um, my character is a halfling monk uh, who goes by the name of Paella, Shrimp Paella. <laughs> shrimp. <laughs> First name Shrimp, last name Paella. Yeah, that's nice. correct. Um, but doesn't know a lick of cooking. Well, she can, uh, she knows some carpentry and she some leather work. Uh, and she trades her, uh, her work for food. Oh, yeah, sorry, I didn't, I didn't make a whole story. Uh, no, 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 that's fine. Sorry. I was kind of, usually I just draw the person after a while. Yes. So, so as a team bonding activity, team the, bonding. uh, the horrible fucking pawns created. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Dungeon Master screen, and maybe we'll upload a picture of it, but it's crudely cut of cardboard. The inside says, uh, no one likes you. Um, TPK TPK is okay. Always some sort of word. Always give inspiration. Always give inspiration. That's the important one. No, it's fine. I just figured the word. Always fudge dice rolls. Never surrender. 
And there's a cool little green monster on the front made by uh, Chris's daughter, which really cuts deeper than anything else. (laughs) (laughs) And it says DM on it, because that's who you are. That's who I am. Me! And it says that he is DM, which stands for Dookie Monster. It says Dookie Dookie Monster. Master. 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 It says Dookie Master. I can't read. That's how I'm put. My character's a hermit. Can't read. Let me set the scene a little bit for you. This world, this region you inhabit, takes place in the center of a dry continent. No oceans or large lakes, just small occasional springs and ponds. At the very center of this arid land is the growing town of Monument Rock, which you can think of the texture and climate kind of similar to Arizona, New Mexico kind of feel. This has been the battleground to several ancient wars due to its plentiful underground springs below it. Several monuments of the ancient wars sit in the ruins throughout the town. The town smells of dust and sage, and the sounds of men tending to their livestock and angry wives dragging their men out of the local saloon fill the air. The days are busy and bustling, with a hard day's work and... The nights often stretch into the morning with town folks enjoying the saloons, gambling halls, and whorehouses. Whorehouses. Thank you. Is that lightning? I think so. There was lightning. There was lightning. There was lightning. I'm going to take a picture of us. Oh, there's thunder! <laughs> During the rundown, there's actual lightning and thunder. This is like when Prince was doing the halftime show at the Super Bowl, and he, <laughs> it wasn't raining, started performing Purple Rain, and it started raining. Purple rain. Purple rain. rain. All right. The sound effects for this game are amazing. (laughs) All right, guys. So, surprise, surprise. We're splitting you up. Oh. Oh, no. You never split the party. We're splitting you up. Sweet. Oh, we should have wrote that on this DM. We're going to have have Devin and Cheryl leave for a little while. Oh, so leave, leave. Leave the room. Oh, really? Oh, I can eat snacks. Yeah. So here we'll take we'll take a quick five, and then we'll come back with just Parker and Jordan. We are sitting here with Body Knock Timber and Lugash Pugash. The town of Monument Rock is always operated in a bit of vigilante justice where the larger groups and families of the area would enforce the local law and traditions. The regional marshal of the area has decided to hire a local sheriff for this city. That person is no other than Lugash Pugash's brother, Virgil Pugash. Virgil has been appointed the sheriff and he has deputized both his brother Morgan, his brother Lugash, and Lugash's close friend, Body Knock Timber, who is always seen as kind of a wild card and would leave for times on end, and no one really knew what to expect from him, though they knew his heart was there and his friendship could always be counted on. They've been brought into this town to restore order. There's a gang of vigilantes that have long been thought to be kind of the informal rulers of the area. These vigilantes hide under the guise of cattle farmers and merchants. They have a hideout outside of town, but they come in to sell their wares. They come in to sell their cattle, most of which have been stolen from lands outside. 
So you guys have been brought in as the sheriffs and deputies. Though you've lived here for a little while because you get your businesses that you've owned have actually started doing pretty well. Uh, Lugash is a partial partner on a saloon in town. So the goblins and orcs, so you're a half-orc. There's a lot of half-orcs here that are treated reasonably well and just like everybody else, but the full-blood orcs have mostly gathered together in one quarter as well as the goblins in the town. Deputy body knock. Deputy body knock. Deputy Pugas. So you all have been enjoying a good night in the saloon, doing a little bit of gambling and casual drinking. And um, so we'll just take it from there. So you guys are sitting in the bar. It's a pretty busy night. The The town works real hard. People there work hard, but they party hard too. A lot of times, you know, they're drinking till well in the night, playing darts, gambling. Um, so you guys look around. You guys have been uh, kind of getting settled in, checking up on your businesses. What are you guys? Uh, what are you guys thinking? So I want to say that Lugash at this point is, since he is a cleric of one of the the light, um, he is going to shy away from a bit of the gambling. Uh, he doesn't care if people do it himself themselves, but for him, it's not something that he really wants to take part in. So at this point, I feel like he would be kind of more towards the fire, just kind of enjoying um, the situation. And I'm going to roll a perception check because he would be like looking around to see if anybody's getting sure. any give me altercations a per- Give me a perception check. So uh, looks like I rolled a 10. So I'm going to add my perception to that, which is my wisdom. So a 13 overall. So everything seems pretty good. Um, although you do know, you do notice that there's um, one very drunk individual in the uh, round table closest to the fire, kind of close to you, and he's there with another man. And you, you're not positive, but you think he might have some sort of affiliation with this uh, with this vigilante group. But uh, hasn't done anything terribly bad other than just yell or demand things very obnoxiously. Um, where is Body Knock comparative or comparably? So Body Knock is on the far end of the bar, uh, several spaces next to him and the other patron, with a big old <clears throat> mug of ale uh, with nice. his back against the wall, kind of surveying the room uh, with a vacant look across the room. Uh, he can tell he's very uncomfortable with being in such a crowded and busy area. Mm-hmm. Although the payoff has been nice, this this city life has been a little bit of an adjustment, I'm sure. All right, is there anything uh, you care to look for or to do? So I'm uh, body knocks, looking at Lou Gash, um, as you can tell, he's surveying across the room and waiting for him to to signal or make him call the shots as he's um, yeah, kind of waiting for direction. You're kind of pulling a, a roadhouse situation, yeah. surveying the room, catch trouble before it's there. So at this point, um, I look over at uh, Body Knock, and I make my eye movement towards the, the character that seems to be drunk, um, that I've identified as possibly being a member of the vigilante group that we're trying to or get into, or figure out what's going on. So... I make a motion, and I get up and start walking towards him. Jordan, you feel the touch of a hand on your shoulder. Not grabbing you, just kind of put his hand on your shoulder real quick. You turn around to see the 
County Sheriff Johnny Bayham. He is the man who gave your brother the the sheriff position. He leans in close. He goes, "Careful! This is one of that that one over there named Curly. He's he's part of the group, but I don't want any dead men in my hands. You can you do what you need to do to uphold justice, but if you go around murdering, it'll be your head in the noose." Look at him, and I was like, "I don't plan on it." Yes, good. All right, I gotta get home. Wife has been on my back, and I have to go pretend that I'm still attracted to her. <laughs> and he walk. He walks out the door. The man you're walking to at the bar crudely uh, lets out a bark at you. He goes, bark, 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 bark. he goes, "Is your master's leaving? Dog, why don't you follow him?" It's like, what? What do you? Would you care for a drink, my friend? He goes, yeah. Buy it for the whole table. No, I'll buy it for you. Kind of looks around. Not one to turn down free booze. I can drink with a man even though I don't like him. Well, what? Why don't you like me? Law dog. I know you're kind. You call me a law dog rather than you're doing your own sense of law. You're a law dog not, yourself in a different sense. Not our sense of law. This is the law of the land. This is the law of the community. Not one dictated by a man a long ways away. Our fathers, their fathers before them have kept the town running running well. We don't need no law. We don't want no law. When, when you're thinking about law in the sense of distance, isn't time also there? Land of your forefathers? Laws of the land from people that are long I don't dead? understand what you're saying, boy! <laughs> Give me that beer! Well, then come with me. I want to have a chat with you, my friend. Make a persuasion check. That is a 17. He goes, all right, I reckon. I look over at uh, Body Knock, and I kind of make the eyes contact me, like, follow me to the bar. I kind of make that, like, gesture. Perception check, Body Knock. 13. Plus anything? Uh, 10 plus 3. Okay. So, yeah, you, you, you pick up on the gesture. All right, so I head up to the bar, um, and I order uh, three ales, so one for each of us. So as the uh, as the group makes their way to the bar, uh, Body Knock's going to walk back towards where the fireplace is, mm-hmm. and I'll stand out. Is there like a mat or a rug in front of the fireplace? Yeah, there's a nice turquoise blue hand-woven rug. So he's going to uh, walk up and kind of lay down as a gnome, curled up by the fire, and then as soon as he lays down, turn into a wolf. Ooh, but like very not aggressively. Yeah, so I walked uh, back towards the uh, the fire, and uh, there, there's a cu- there's like a bench, a couple of chairs. I'm like, I-, I would love to have a chat with you at this point, because I know we don't see eye to eye on things, and uh, I'm here to bridge the gap. So he grabs two of the ales, one in each hand, and he just downs one of them, just chugs it, leans in close, and he's like, Hey, hey, hey I have to tell you something. I was like, you can say it. Burps in your face really loudly and just starts howling, laughing to himself. So I'm sitting there, look, I'm just looking at You fell for the curly special, boy. Yo, thanks for the beer. I'm on back to my friend now. No, you're coming with me. Persuasion check. Uh, 13. You do not. He, t- he goes, free beer, Ike. And he comes over and he like, Kind of half falls and stumbles over to the table to where his uh, buddy is. 
And his buddy's just laughing to himself at the table. At this point, I go and uh, sit down next to uh, the uh, the wolf curled up by the fire. And I'm like, hmm, what should we do at this point? It's uh, like, kind of like, whist- it sounds like I'm kind of talking to myself. but petting, petting this wolf. With my feet. <laughs> Gross. So I, I peek up my wolf head um, and, and rest my chin on his, uh, on his lap. Um, and just kind of like my ears go back. And I just kind of... <laughs> you hear a you hear a loud smash behind you, and kind of startles you. And you both look up to see beer, uh, beer running down the wall, uh, off not next to you guys, but on the other end of the bar. And it looks like that third beer that he had, uh, that drunk curly guy just smashed it up against the wall. And he, it looks like he threw it at the dartboard. So, um, I go up and, um, I, I take out my, um, or I brandish my pistol. Mm. Brandish it. So I don't take it out and hit my hand, but I pull it back so I have it on my hip and they can see it. And I go up to uh, Curly. I was like, I need you to come with me to the back room before there's trouble in this establishment that I own. Ah! We'll leave, we'll leave. Just give me a sec. Um, He says, give me a sec. I shove him. Okay, make a unarmored unarmed attack. I shove him towards the door, like not damaging him, but just trying to shove him. Just make, let's make an athletics check. Okay. That's a six. You got a four. Alright, so you're able to shove his drunk ass out towards the door. His buddy is just like following, just, uh, hey, hey, come on, you don't need to do that. Just blowing off a little steam. We've been here way before you guys. You got fucking lawman come to town. Think you can brandish your pistols? There's a law ordinance that we can't have our, our blades and our weapons here in town, but lawman walking around with his weapons. Well, maybe if you guys were to adhere to a civilized society, then maybe you could brandish your weapons, but you don't want to deal with a civilized society. Yeah, so as, as long as him and his buddy are walking out the door, I don't I don't want... i just following them. Um... And just making sure that they make their way down the steps, down the street. Okay. All right, so they start to walk down the road, and eventually they turn a corner, and you can't see them anymore. Is there I, anything you're trying to do inside the bar? Um, at this point, um, I want to just go back, and uh, I want to talk to uh, my whoever I have as the barkeep, mm-hmm. and uh, see uh, if there's any anything else that has been going on around here in the last couple of days. Yeah, you have a portly, dwarvish man as the barkeep. What's his name? Um, Scott. So I go over and I was like, hey, Scott, how, how, how's it been hanging this evening? Was, I'm like noticeably awkward. Better now, I guess, that the uh, that fucking Curly's out of here. I think they have a up in the hills somewhere, but no one knows. But they come down once a week or so, blow off some steam, sell some, sell some heads of cattle... Besides Curly, is there any other... What is the other uh, main fellows that come through this? Oh, there's... There's that Ike guy you just saw. There's um, there's a, a, a British fella. I don't quite know his name. There's a little, there's a little lady. 
Um, um, sh Shrimpy? I think her name is Shrimpy. Sh sh Shrimpsky. Shrimpsky. I think it's Shrimpsky. That's her name. Are they? Are they? Are they with that group up on the hills? I believe so. Take care now. All right. Both of, you make, both of you make perception checks. Uh, eighteen. I got a twenty-two. Nice. You guys both hear a commotion. It sounds like it's coming a few blocks away. You hear some screaming, and you hear something like the sound of something hitting wood really hard, or things smacking together or something. Some sort of lo loud sounds and screams are coming a few blocks away. I'm uh, still wolf form charging straight towards where the sound is. Okay. Yeah. So I'll say so body knock, you arrive a little bit before Jordan. You see people running for cover as Curly is sitting there with two cro light crossbows in his hands firing up it looks like at the moon. And he's just shooting at the moon. He's like, damn you in the sky, get down here. You see uh, you see uh, a dog, a small dog limp off away. Looks like he got caught in the leg. He's just like casting a wide spread. He's just kind of shooting around, just like drunk, vomit hanging from his beard. So as I, as I run up and I notice the dog's wounded, I was curious at first, but as soon as I see that the dog was shot, I charge straight for Curly. Okay. And I want to... Uh, Bite him. Alright, I'm gonna have him roll perception to see if he notices this dog. Nope. I'll say you get a free attack before before uh, initiative rolls. Uh, so, bite. Plus four to hit, so four seventeen. You hit. Alright, so two, two d4 plus... Oh, that's some good damage. Uh, seven. So you come up and get him right Right in the right in the ribs, and you kind of hang on, and you can feel some of his rib meat f come come away with you when he uh, mm. as you're doing it, and he screams out in agony. Uh, body knock. It is your turn again. Uh, I'm gonna bite again. All right, go for it. Fourteen plus four, so eighteen. You hit. Another two d four plus two, so seven again. Body knock is currently just ripping the bejesus out of this curly fella. All right. Uh, his companion Ike comes over. He grabs a two by four from a from a from a workbench nearby, and he comes over and swings it at you. What's your armor class? Thirteen. He hits you. Take five damage. Lugash, it is your turn. So seeing this, um, seeing my deputy just get struck, and I'm noticing that all of this other uh, nonsense is going on. Um, with arrows stuck in signs, which is clearly a violation of uh, local law. Um, so as I'm shouting, I, I yell, So in the name of the law, you are under arrest for violating the ordinances of Monument Rock. Um, on to, since he's on the ground, uh, Curly, um, I grab my shackles and shackle his uh, uh, legs together. All right, make a make an athletics check. He'll be disadvantaged. Um, would, he, I, he would I also get advantage because I have a dog on me or a dog? Uh, yeah, you have advantage. He's on the ground. He's got a dog hanging off, a wolf hanging off him, ripping the first him apart. one. I rolled a thirteen on the first one. Well, it's a pass. He, he had a twelve. I rolled a fourteen on the second. All right, so you're able to shackle him, put his hands behind his back. Um, I shackled his legs so he can't run. Okay. You hear the voice of Fred White, who is the kind of one of the underlings for Johnny Mahan, who's the county sheriff. 
Fred White is kind of one of his uh, one of his marshals underneath him. He comes running up. He's like, "I'll take it from here. Thank you, boys." And um, he uh, he comes up and he kind of gives Curly a little kick on the ground. And he goes up to Ike and he goes, he goes, uh, he goes. I, he's like, I know you're branching. He's like, I know you got a weapon hit. Ike, hand it over. And uh, Ike uh, pulled out a crossbow that he was hiding underneath his shirt strapped to his back. And he hands it to him. And just at that moment, as uh, as as Fred is reaching for the crossbow, uh, Ike is like, he goes, he's like, what are you doing? Don't grab it there. And they just kind of start shaking. He's like, give it back. And they're kind of struggling with it. And all of a sudden it goes off. And Fred White gets gets shot right in the stomach. And he goes down. This Ike character goes, he puts his hands up and drops the crossbow. He goes, it was his fault. His fault. He shot himself. So immediately what I do is I go to, uh, I roll a medicine check to stabilize him. Okay. So I get a plus five to medicine because I oh. took that. So I rolled a five plus she's five, so I get a ten on my medicine check. In the closet. All right, so you're able to stabilize, and he's like, "Oh, that son of a bitch! Take him to the jailhouse, lock him up, both of them." You're able to shackle up Ike, but uh, shortly after, you hear, "They ain't going nowhere, boys." You uh, you hear a couple different voices come out of the shadows around you guys. Former hermit deputies Virgil Pugash and Body Knock Timbers are ambushed by a group of four vigilante gang hooligans and vanquish them in a bloody battle. They deliver Ike and Curly to jail safely and retire for the night to regain their strength. In the morning, they return to the jail to question the criminals. So you guys go in and uh, sleep off your wounds. I'll say you get a full rest so you're back to full health. Both of you wake up to a loud pounding on your door, and uh, and you notice is one of the guys of the processor. They're like, I don't know what happened. The judge said they were innocent. No charges. Let them go right there on the spot. And now the judge can't be found. I don't know what's going on, but they're all gone. Sounds like a fiasco. <laughs> a Lupe fiasco? <laughs> Lupe fiasco. So you spend the rest of the day kind of like trying to get a little bit of information until eventually you start hearing some murmuring around town as you guys are kind of making your rounds and dogs kind of sniffing around. People were like, we, we saw them boys, they're back. They're just just over on the, just on the west side, over on the, the by the west stables. You've heard this from quite a few people and it's like, and that Ike man, he is hot. He keeps talking, I'm going to skin that boy this, I'm going to stab that dog that. They're all trying to keep it quiet, but that Ike, man, he's got that, he's got that, uh, he's got that pistol on him. He's got that, he's got that axe by his side. They look ready for business. All right, so I look over at uh, Body Knock and I was like, do you think we should go get uh, our brothers? Yeah, definitely. I uh, I don't think we'll repeat from last night. It's going to go Yeah, well. they were hitting us mm-hmm. with uh, improvised 2 by 4s not... Weapons and axes. Weapons of mass destruction. It doesn't hurt any less when you're a wolf. I'll tell you what. <laughs> you find you find Virgil over at the the barber shop getting his beautifully beautifully done handlebar mustache just groomed so right. 
Morgan is there talking his ear off while he's getting a shave. And um, I, I go in, uh, I walk in, uh, and it's like, brothers, have you heard the news about what happened last night with me and Body Knock? And go, yeah, yeah. And did you hear about the judge's decision on to let them boys go? Yeah, that's why I'm getting looking good now. I figure there's a good chance I'll be meeting my maker today, and I've got to get this mustache just right. Well, I think it's time to get this uh, action ready to rock. <laughs> All right, so um, yeah, let's do it. You see Virgil, he, uh, he's got a shotgun under his hand. He's like, ah, as a sheriff around here, he looks at, uh, he looks at you, he's like, so you're a small guy. Why don't you uh, why don't you see if you can hide this shotgun somewhere? I'm gonna as the as the sheriff around here, I'm gonna try and be peaceful at first, and if anything goes wrong, throw me that shotgun. Why well, shrug and I take the shotgun and I, and I stow it in my bag. And I uh, and I was like, I'll meet you two blocks away. I'm gonna go grab Fred. Mm-hmm. It's like a sawed-off shotgun too. You do run into the marshal, uh, Johnny Behan. And he comes up. He's like, "Don't worry about them. I, you know, I, they took, they gave me their word. They, they ain't gonna cause any trouble. You know, um, I've been around these parts for a long time, and you don't, you don't need anybody dead. You know, just, just leave it be. Leave it I be." I roll an inside check on. Yeah, he's he's nervous. He's you can tense to you can you don't know if he's like lying, but you can tell he's nervous and worried about something. I look at him and I was like, "These boys have." Almost have almost killed Fred, attacked us, and they're looking for blood. They die, they die. Well, how about you come with me? Since this is part of the lawman's job, the sheriff in town, you should be with us. No, this ain't my town. I'm a county sheriff. This yeah, but this town is problem. in your county. He's like, sounds like insubordination to me. Yeah, that, that does sound like insubordination. You're insubordinating your job. Because when something happens on a county level, I'll take care of it. That's why we hired you. Well, go do your job. Just make sure. I won't hear no more of this. And he storms off. I, I yell back and I was like, this is some bullshit. You're a piece of shit. <laughs> the goddess of the light will see that your soul ends up in hell. Make an intimidation check. Ooh, that's a 15. He goes, no, don't do it. <laughs> and he goes running away. <laughs> Some of the town folk kind of drop by. Some of the people you know are loyal to me. Like, oh, they're hanging out by old old Kingsley's old uh, old Kingsley's corral. They uh, kind of tell you the direction. Um, they said they're kind of held up back near the stables. And the four of you walk out all badass lawman style. Anything you guys want to do on your way there? Or Would we uh, about? do we know if there's any animals in the, in the stable? Yeah, assume there's, that there's horses. There's probably a couple of horses around, or it's it's a big block. So. Yeah. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. What were you thinking of doing? Uh, Did you have a plan before? I want to sneak up and I want to go talk to one of the horses. That's okay. just like off on a side pasture. Okay. So you get up close, uh, right on the outskirts of the stable. All right. So okay. I use, speak with animals, mm-hmm. and so I, I go up to him and I go, "Hey, buddy. Hey. How uh, how's it going in there? Hungry. Yeah. Well, uh." I got some hay. Mm. Can you, uh... Do, do, do you know, uh... Who's supposed to be feeding you? The little boy or the big man? How many, uh... How many big men are there? Five? Just five? He stomps his hoof five times. I, I kind of scratch under his chin and, and, and mm-hmm. pat him really smooth. Okay, I, I appreciate you. 
uh, and then I and I go off. Do I see any hay anywhere? Yeah. Okay, and I go over and I, and I get a couple big flakes of hay and I give it to him and I and I just like scratch and pat his head a little bit and say, "I appreciate it, buddy." You're a good guy. And then I uh, and then I go off and I go back to. God, I love you so much. <laughs> and I go find Lugash and I tell him that there's five people inside and a very horny cow. <laughs> so they're kind of deep inside the grounds and you kind of got to walk through some of the alleys to get there. And so you're walking, you. T- you turn the corner of the, the first alley, and boom, you're met with all five of them standing right in front of you. Now draw. We drop in with human warlock Edward Harrington III, a boy that dreams of being a hero to his people, and the halfling monk carpenter known as Shrimp Paella earlier that day in their camp on the outskirts of Monument Rock. So Edward Harrington and Paella Shrimp. Paella. Yeah. It's like a James Bond thing. Yeah. Always in that order, please. So Edward Harrington and Paella Shrimp Paella. Thank you. Have been, uh, have been friends for some time now, ever since I've come into this part of the land. Their reasons that brought them here are their own, but they found a kinship in each other. So you've been living on the outskirts of this town for some time now with about a dozen of your kinfolk who you hold in high esteem, kind of as family, although you know that some of them have issues and some of them are upstanding and some of them are assholes. You've been, uh, their, their families on the other hand have been living here for generations and they've always Believed to be honorable cattlers, farmers, and uh, artisans and merchants. Lately, though, the, these new lawmen have come in and pushed them out of their normal territory, which hurts their cattle business. They always intimidated them and enacted laws that they can't have their weapons to even defend themselves while inside the town. Uh, <clears throat> one of your friend, uh, Curly, had recently come back from a run in with these with these lawmen and he he's just he, he feels like he's reached a boiling point him and Ike are heading down to town to wait for these lawmen to finally to finally get rid of them once and for all so they've hidden their weapons inside their packs they told you to go meet them at the old Kingston stable when you have a moment but uh, definitely get there today if you can Alright, we'll take it from there. You're both sitting at your campfire, enjoying a nice... What are you guys eating? Shrimp paella... What is it? Paella. Shrimp paella. Yeah, we're eating shrimp paella. You see one of the... Uh, you see a familiar young boy you've known around as you know, working with the cattle. He kind of makes sure they... He goes by and repairs the fences. And he runs up to you two and he's like, There's some wolves chasing the cattle out there. Slow down, cattle boy. What is it that you want? He goes, he goes I, I ran off. They didn't follow me, but they're trying to eat the cattle. You need, to, you need to get out there and save them. What did you ask them nicely to stop? Roll a... Are you trying to be persuasive or charismatic? I was being charismatic. All right, just roll a charisma check. Okay. Roll a 12 plus a 3. 15. He goes, oh, no, I... I guess not. 
animals are not so different from you and I, little <laughs> cattle boy. Because <laughs> I, I don't, I, I don't know what to do. Can you come get rid of these wolves for me? No, now. Me and my, my he starts bi- crying and falls on the ground. He'll kill me. I'll, I pat him on the head like a good little boy. And I say, "Not a little cat boy. Don't, don't worry. Me and my very best friend Shrimp will handle this." Paella, shrimp paella, paella, shrimp paella. What are you up to? How do you, how do you take in this information? Um, I also start crying because I feel so <laughs> empathetic towards what the boy is feeling. You're just, <laughs> you're just riding that beautiful wave of emotion that is the, the halfling experience. Just like snot coming down my nose, uh, tears, just okay. like, Edward, what are, what are we going to do? What are we going to do, Edward? This is the time where Edward Harrington gives one of his patented... Like, pick-me-up speeches, <laughs> rally calls. Insert speech here. Get just, yourself together. Just do it. <laughs> Fellow cattle men and women. Paya, shrimp paya. No one else is actually around at the moment. <laughs> I but I stand up on a rock to, like, deliver this. Sure. And then I keep, like, climbing up the rock higher and higher as I keep going on in my speech. <laughs> there are wolves in this country who will attack you when you are weak. But the weak must rise up like... Sheep. <laughs> we must buy our way to the top. The boy's like, oh, I feel so much better. Uh, Problem solved. Wait, so are we going over there? Oh, we gotta do wait. more? <laughs> okay. Let's head that way to like check out what's going on here. Okay. I skip along. Paella, shrimp paella, and Edward Harrington journey to the meadow in question, in search of the vicious wolves that have been harassing their flocks. So you come up the path from the east out to west over to uh, Archie's meadow, and you notice two wolf bodies laying dead on the ground. Just outside the old sunken down ruins that used to be an old uh, stronghold in the ancient wars which is now just rubble and sediment piled up on top of uh sandstone can leatherworker tools work on wolves you want to skin them yeah yeah make a survival check plus three okay so 19 19 so you're actually able to get a pretty good pelt off of these uh off of these wolves um, one of them, you're actually able to keep the body intact to the head. All right. So you can get a cool, uh, you get a little cool thing and, uh, you, you kind of wipe it down dry and try it on real quick to see how, it, see how it looks. It hasn't been leathered or anything. It's just raw skin on the inside, but it looks right. really cool. Cause as a tiny halfling, it like drapes behind you like a, oh, like a foot or two. All right. Um, both of you make a perception check. Eat that, Edward. Can't do, boss. Well, I rolled a one. <laughs> Dang. Um, your ear pops in this weird way, and you can't hear, and it, like, blinds you for a second. <laughs> uh, I got a six. Okay. Um, so you, you start turning around. You don't notice anything. The, uh, it looks like the wolves that have were chasing these cattle have been dealt with by somebody. You're not exactly... You can't really make any... Hmm. 
You tried to look at the marks, but both of you are just you just mental mental lapse, and you can't figure out what happened. Well, I was an emotional mess. So. Yeah, you're very emotional. <laughs> so as you as you turn around and start to leave, you hear a hey. I go, it? Edward. Edward, don't. I I can see you. You don't have to yell at me like that. Oh, that was gonna be my joke, <laughs> shrimp. Uh, I'm right here. What do you want? Why are you talking to me like that? Use your calm voice. So at that moment, four goblins come out of the trees next to you. And you actually notice these as a rival gang of goblins. And real quick, why don't you guys, can you guys brainstorm a name for your gang in like 10 seconds? Ooh, oh, d- uh, we're called Dine and Dash. <laughs> Dine and Dash. There we go. All right. <laughs> Dine and Dash. You notice these as a rival group known as the Morales Brothers. The uh, two of them come out on both sides and go. New thought this would get your attention. They go uh, not so big without the rest of your gang with you. Just the two of you little babies. And he pulls out this uh, sword and he licks the blade of it. And I say, is that sanitized? Because I don't know if you want to be licking that. <laughs> Make a persuasion check. <laughs> persuade him not to lick his sword. Just like to persuade his world outlook. He rolls a two. He goes, oh my god, you're right. <laughs> I shouldn't be licking. What am I doing? I still want to kill you, but god, why do I do this to myself? It's okay. I mean, I can understand that maybe you wanted to look right. intimidating, but... Do not try to reason with these <laughs> goblins. I have read about goblins in my holy texts, and I know they are always evil. As Paella, shrimp Paella, was expertly uh, skinning the dead wolves, the goblins came out and uh, caught them off guard because they rolled so terribly bad on their perception checks. Now, after after Paella, shrimp Paella, uh, Change the ways of the head goblin to not go around licking unsterile knives. It is now time to roll initiative. Roll initiative. This time I rolled a two. I'm just working my way up. Two plus what? Plus anything? One. I have an initiative of three. Nice. Uh, I rolled a six plus five is eleven. Hey, we're gonna do great at this. Yeah, I have it. Paella. 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 Shrimp paella. It is your turn. the The goblins are are uh, getting the drop on you, and they're coming at you in a aggressive way. Wow, front and behind. I must be my birthday. <laughs> are you a goblin? <laughs> I'm gobbling up something. <laughs> um, I go for the goblin that's like behind that wolf body that's left right there. Sure. Um, and I attack him with my quarter staff. All right, go ahead. I'm going to see if I attack attack this guy. One. Ah, but I'm lucky. Oh. So I can roll again. You halfling. Because I'm a halfling. 
Two. <laughs> That's the Edward Harrington model of rolling dice. <laughs> you swing wildly with your quarterstaff, but the wolf's head that you had on kind of fell over your eyes, <laughs> making you swing like five feet over the top of him. Which is hard for you since you're like three feet tall. I'm like, hey, who turned off the lights? Alright, you, you have you have a, a, your unarmed attack? 14 plus 7. Alright, so that's 21. Woo! Hot damn. So you hit, so roll oh, your damage. Right. Is it a punch or a kick? Punch. Alright. So I go I go for the nuts. Whoa. Nut puncher. Nut punching. Alright. Because I'm a halfling, and that's probably where no, my makes, view is but at. But goblins aren't that tall either, but you, you're di- you're still shorter. Ooh. Nine. Nine. Get that nut. <laughs> the pain on his little goblin balls are so excruciating. He falls to the ground and is not able to attack this turn. Yes. Hey, you found their weakness. <laughs> All you need to do is shatter both their testicles. Um, Edward Harrington. The third. So I have a spell called Eldritch Blast. Mm -hmm. But I would like to flavor it as me using my wand, which is my arcane focus. Okay. And so I I do my wand (laughs) at him. And then my Eldritch Blast blasts from the wand. So it's just like a prop that you have in the way. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I I'm love a, it. Because I'm a wizard. Because you're a wizard and definitely not a second level warlock. <laughs> nope. No one knows about my secret bond with the magical Archfey. Nice. Secret, secret. Let's go to the same side. I get the other goblin on that same side and I go, uh, Abracadabra! And I shoot him with my blast. Do it. And a roll my d20. I rolled a nine. Plus what? Plus. So 14. So you hit. I hit him. Okay. Roll your damage. 1d10 force damage. Ooh. I roll that. What is it? Six. Six, six, six damage. damage. Got him. All right. So you blast him. He was not seeing that coming and uh, the El- the Eldritch Blast aka Wizard definitely not Warlock Blast rips into his stomach I was aiming for your balls next time <laughs> Goblin Paella Shrimp Paella it's your turn attack I'm blasting. gonna attack him okay now again quarter with staff? my quarterstaff 17 damn yes. crushing him all right, yeah, you hit with your quarterstaff. Roll your damage. Six. Whoa. Plus max damage. Five. Eleven. You murder him. Ooh, I want you to right. explain how you killed him okay. with this quarterstaff. Be specific and intimate. With the staff, because I've, I've uh, made the quarterstaff so that one's kind of a little more pointing here. Like, Naturally. Obviously. Yeah. And then I, I also... The um, entering side. Right, yes. yeah. I also... <laughs> For some reason, I had some aloe vera, and I just put a little bit of that before I went up there. Up, and I up his butt, anus, up his butt. Oh, okay. Where else would the stick go? There's so many holes. <laughs> yeah. Stuck my quarterstaff up his butt. Stuck him to the ground and catapulted myself. You used the pole. I used it as a pole. The stopping block <laughs> yeah. for your pole vault. Yeah. Over to the over to the next people. Okay. Yeah. So. you... Yeah, you still have your unarmored attack. And I was like, whoosh, and I go, and I uh, kick 
go over to try and kick one that goblin closer to the door. Shrimp Paella, who has turned out to be a horrifically bloodthirsty carpenter, continues to ride a wave of incredible roles that, when combined with her stellar ability roles during character creation, and her attacking bonuses as a level 2 monk, make her an unstoppable and devastatingly violent weapon. Edward Harrington, horrified by her unspeakable acts against the goblins, convinces the last surviving goblin to flee with his life. Hey, we won! And in a non-violent, well, mostly non-violent You murdered way. three things. You murdered three people. <laughs> During our adventure, I have like a little diary journal that I'm crafting, which is going to turn into like my own fantasy book. And so I write down what just happened, but I take out all the like... All the bad things. All the bad things. And I just start with like... And then I convinced a bunch of goblins to see the better path, and they ran away. When he leaves that journal, I go in there and I draw like the graphic. Make, make, a, make a stealth check. 19. Oh, <laughs> plus, right. plus 7. Uh, uh I guess myself. Yeah. That's Make a, roll a d20 just real quick. Yeah, sure. If you don't roll a 20, there's Oh, I rolled a 19. Yeah. So close. You uh Yeah, she you don't see her. She after you're done, she tiptoes in there, grabs it and replaces it and Oh no, and then that the... D&D ink never comes out. Oh no, that's that's quill, baby. <laughs> All right, there's, so you there's pictures. So you guys, you guys are able to make you make your way back where you grab your diary and you sabotage his future hopes and dreams. Sure. And, As a writer, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, some of the people come back, and there's a there's a bit of a hum, like a buzz around the camp, and people seem pretty upset. But you you don't know exactly what about. So you're able. So in this time, you've rested up, so you've regained your hit points. Oh, thank yeah. God. And um, so you're just kind of hanging out by the fire, tending to your wounds, and you hear all this buzz around you. He's like, oh, God, it's happening today. It's happening in town, down at uh, Monument Rock, Monument Rock. What is going down at the rock? They go, go, the rest of the boys, they're headed down to Monument Rock. They're finally going toe-to-toe with those lawmen. They attacked Curly and Ike. So these are a couple of your guys' good friends. They attacked them in town Almost killed him, brought him in and jailed him up, and and uh, they finally got set free, and now they've gone back to try and uh, show them what's up. We will not stand for this injustice. We go, but there's only three of them, and I think there's more of them lawmen. Would you go? Sit, would you go help them? Um, I mean, do we have anything else to do? Or <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know, shrimp. What do you want to do? It finally seems like they've reached a boiling point. Those those phonies hiding behind their little sheriff badges think they can just go around pistol whipping everybody with their beautiful mustaches. There's only one sheriff in this town, and it's me, the chosen one, Edward Harrington. Well, we gotta stop him. Climb up Edward's back, and I stand on Make top of him. Make an acrobatics check. Sixteen plus seven. Crushing. Yeah. So, so you do a quick backflip onto his shoulders, standing on top of his shoulders like this, with my with my hands on my hips. The Dine and Dash crew has protected this town since 
I don't know how long. We will save the day because that's what heroes do. <laughs> it doesn't sound like there's a whole lot of time, so you're able to make your way down to the city. I make a sandwich first. I continue to okay. stay on top of his shoulders. Okay. Oh, <laughs> this is how we travel. She's like my owl. So you get you get a lot of strange looks as you mosey into town, you eating half of a sandwich, <laughs> you standing on his shoulders. But you're you're you meet up. You you have to hide your weapons. You kind of put oh. your quarterstaff in your in the back of your shirt because <laughs> Wait, why don't, Why wouldn't I just put it in like my friend pocket and say that I'm just happy to see everyone? So you guys kind of hide your stuff and you make it over to the old Kingsley stables. And uh, so you head into the center of the corral and those are your boys there just steaming mad. They're like, just especially Ike. Curly has got a bandage over his ribs. It looks like he's got a little blood underneath his bandage. No, but he's, Curly! But he's still ready to go. Because damn lawman stuck his flea bit flea ridden dog on me, almost ripped the guts right out me. Well, did you ask him to not do it? <laughs> nope. You're right. Calmer heads probably would have prevailed, but I've had enough of this. But the lawmen come to our town and they tell us how to live our lives and fuck with our cattle trade. Nah, today's the day they die. I bet they're probably up at their saloon. You want to go? Want to go look for him? Yeah, I could use a haircut. Let's go. <laughs> so you guys, you guys start walking, and you guys are leaving the uh, old Kingsley Corral, and you guys uh, turn the corner to leave, and all of a sudden, boom! You're facing all four of the lawmen, the three lawmen brothers and their friend, which are do they have Mama Lugash Pugash, Virgil Pugash, and <laughs> Morgan Pugash. As well as their longtime friend, Body Knock Timber. Oh, dang. All right, so you come around the corner. They pull their weapons. Your friends pull their weapons. Draw. So first, um, Lugash Pugash and Body Knock Timber... uh, their brother Virgil was assigned as sheriff of this town semi recently, and they've been—they're trying to clean up the place. They got in an altercation with a very drunk Curly at the bar, and after nearly after um, a body knock turned into a wolf and nearly killed him by biting him to death, they were—they were all imprisoned, but were let go free. Uh, due to what they expect maybe is either a corrupt judge or something or just a really good lawyer. On the other side, we have our the Dine and Dash gang with uh, <laughs> oh, Edward <my> Harrington <laughs> and Paella, shrimp Paella. We went to the library. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they ran into a rival gang up in the hills, the, uh, the Morales brothers, a group of goblins, but with Eldritch blasts and and quarterstaffs inside of anuses. We made they, some tossed salad up in there. They 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 tossed made work of them. Good. Though though they got the warning call that their brothers <laughs> that their brothers Curly and Ike are in terrible trouble and they're finally gonna try and stand up to the tyrannical lawmen who have been ruining their way of life 
You have now crossed paths four on four in the most famous recorded gunfight in Western history. It's the shootout at the OK Corral. Oh, twist! You guys have now come face to face. Draw. Roll initiative. Body knock. It is your turn. So I look across and I see Curly mm-hmm. and the group approaching. I instantly cast Entangle on the entire group. Ooh. So strength saving throw. So all of you guys make a strength savings throw. So a Rude. d20 plus. So what do they need? 13. 13. That's my save DC. Uh, 11 plus Fifth. my. What decks? Strength. 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 I rolled a 12. I rolled 15 plus 2, so 17. But I have the lucky feat, so I will use it. The lucky feat? Yeah, so I can re-roll my d20. Oh, yeah. Variant human scum. 18 I rolled. See what I mean? So body knock casts and tangle. It's about to wrap you up and you're able to finally break free. Uh, Because we're on top of each other. Shrimp, you're able to dodge out of the way of these vines. Curly, on the other hand, is grabbed and he cannot move. Ike is able to jump away. All right. It is... um, Yes, you. I go for the guy who who did the vine thing. Mm -hmm. Body knock. And I say, no one ties me up. I tie up people. (laughs) (laughs) That'll show them. (laughs) All right. Is that the extent of your turn? Um, No. She says that. (laughs) I just want that to be known. No. I use my quarterstaff to attack. You will feel my wrath. Uh, 14 plus 7. Does a hit? 21. Um, to roll your damage? Three. So plus five is eight. Okay. And then I use my unarmed thing. Oh, five plus seven is 12. Well, 12. What's your armor class? 12. Shrimp paella, paella, shrimp. Or <laughs> paella, shrimp paella. Coming, came rushing in at the, uh, at the druid who cast the entangle spell. Uh, body knock hit him once squarely with the staff knocking the wind from him but missing with her with her nut punch it is Morgan's turn Morgan Morgan Pugash <laughs> Jesus you better recognize the Pugash family they're the real champions of this town Morgan points at you and goes run and points at you make a wisdom savings throw alright and I say, I don't run from nobody. Fire. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. She's been rolling like that all night. Curly, on his turn, tries to break free of his entanglement, but fails. He cannot attack. Ike comes in at Lugash Pugash with his great axe above his head, coming down like a meteor storm. He misses you. All right, it is now Edward Harrington's turn. This is what I'm going to attempt. I have a special spell that I don't like a lot of people to know about because it's when I made a pact with this fey creature. And it's kind of how I became a warlock. But it's fey presence, and I can... People in a ten... Creatures in a ten-foot cube 
make a wisdom saving throw, and if they don't, they're all charmed or frightened by me. Yeah, you can do it, but the people you might frighten or well. Okay, so if I use you. charmed, I mean, I'm already. Yeah, I'm, that's what a good leader does. So I'm gonna Go do that. I'm doing it. All right, so, everybody, make a wisdom saving throw. What's your uh, spell? DC. My spell save DC is 13. So everybody make a wisdom check. Crit fail. And then I get advantage Dang. because I have no cunning. Oh, nice. Right. So that was a... Wow, six. brag. 14 plus 3, so 17. Right, so you're past. I crit fail. You fail. Six. <laughs> I rolled a three. Die. I got I three, even so get six. The... Both, both your brothers pass and... So Curly has been entangled and charmed. Lugash Pugash, you are currently charmed. Try and see if you can get out of it. Um, so it doesn't say that I can't um, actually attack. Just I can't attack the person who charmed me. Oh, okay. But I rolled a 14 automatically. Plus 5, so a 19 to my wisdom saving throw. Okay, you're able to break free of it. Of my charm? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Did you not see... My flowing robe. <laughs> so what I do Completely is open. I take my shield and I grab my holy symbol in one hand. I move up right between his legs. Everybody right here. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I cast uh, oh, my channel divinity option. It is called and it is called Radiance of the Dawn. So in an action, you present your holy symbol and any magical darkness within 30 feet you're dispelled. Additionally, any hostile creature within 30 feet of you must make a constitution savings throw. A creature takes radiant damage equal to 2d10 plus my cleric level, so 2. On a failed savings throw and half as much on a successful throw. Um, Creature that has total cover from you is not affected. Okay. OP. So everybody make a constitution saving throw. You need to at least make a 13. 16 plus... I rolled a two. I'm going to use my lucky feet to roll Wait, how again. Often, how often can you use it? I have two left. Okay. And now I have one left after this. I rolled oh, a one oh. that time. Are you I sure guess you don't I, I want to... Uh, I might go for broke. I'm going to use my last lucky feet. Come on. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Can you pass me two right, d10s? So, um, so everyone uh, takes 11 damage except for... Um, shrimp paella takes five. Also, Ike only takes five. I have three hit points left. <laughs> body knock, Timber. It is your turn. Uh, body knock is going to cast Thorn Whip mm-hmm. at Shrimp Shrimp paella. Five plus five is a ten. No, no. It's a miss. Whiff. Yes. Uh, I'm going to use my remaining action or my movement to just run away a little bit. So I'm going to run back about ten feet. Watch where you're running. You might step in some poo. (laughs) (laughs) Question is about that is since Paia was up on him, does Paia get an opportunity Mm. to attack? Uh, Yes. One uh, lucky. Yeah. You took the lucky feed as well. No, I just I'm just natural natural lucky. I'm naturally lucky. That's right. Halflings get the lucky. We're the lucky game. They get to roll again. A seven. So yeah, you miss. Paya, shrimp paya. Thank you. Um, okay, I go for um, Lugash, Pugash, Pugash. Lugash, Pugash. Bring it, yo. One's Lugash. his first name, one's his last name. 
Lugash of the Pugash clan. I roll a 20. Whoa! That's actually not 20 on the table. I'll take the hit. First Critical score. hit! Okay, oh yeah, that's right. So 6 plus 5, 11. And I also use my flurry of blows. So you I get, use a key point. You get two unarmored attacks. Oh, yeah. 19. You hit? Okay. Edward Harrington tries to hide behind a wagon as the battle escalates, while his teammate Shrimp Paella's infamous flurry of blows knocks Lugash Pugash down to one health. On Deputy Lugash's next turn, he seeks revenge against Paella. I look over at the uh, darling-looking monk that's been beat up badly, and I, and I look back and I was like, Dodge this! And I hand out, I send out my hands to do a cone of fire, casting burning hands. Has, oh, I'm pass dead. Me 3d6. Dead. Alright, so you take 8 damage. Or 4 damage, excuse me. I'm dead. Alright, you're on death savings throws though. So every time on your turn, you have to roll a d20, and you can bring yourself back to one hit point. Or somebody can come stabilize you. So I use my bonus action to uh, heal body knock uh, with a healing word. So 1d4 plus 3. So let me roll that d4. You get 4 HP back. What word do you say? (laughs) Bonanza. Body knock, it is your turn. Uh, I'm going to use my last beast change for the day and I'm turning into a wolf. Okay, nice. Turns into a wolf. He anamorphs into a into a wolf right in front of you. The cape paella, around me. Shrimp paella. Roll like... a roll a d20. So it's a, you want to need above ten. Thirteen. All right. So that's one pass death saves throw. So Virgil takes a shot at Ike. He misses with an eight. Morgan comes in with his hammer at Ike. He misses with a three. Shit. 16! Yay! Curly broke free! Curly! Thank you! He's been stuck there from the beginning. Uh, I'm going to have Curly roll a perception. He uses his action to rush over to give his one healing potion to her. I knew it! I knew it, Curly! Curly, finally free from his entanglement of uselessness, rushes to heal Shrimp Paella, but she is still badly wounded. In fact, all of the participants in the battle have sustained major damage, including Edward Harrington, who tries to find a way to be effective from his hiding place behind a wagon. Edward, <laughs> Edward Harrington, it is right. your turn. Um, I'm kind of peeking behind the wagon. So I peek up and I throw my wand at him and I go, I go, Magic wand, do your thing, and an eldritch blast falls out of it, and I shoot him. Eighteen plus five yeah, to hit, did. and then one d ten. I have one hit point, dog. I'm down. One d ten. We're gonna roll it, blowing it. Okay. Bow down to your chosen one. Bow down. To your king. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, can't, I didn't hear any of it because I'm down. 
I didn't hear any of that. Dang it. I gotta do my... Here, I'll, I'll put him back so I can tell him. And then, then I'll hit him before. There's, there's nothing there. Hey, I give, get him up again so I can do my <laughs> do my thing. All right, Jordan, take your death safe. It's clear. It's two ones. All right, so that's two a pass one. then. Buddy knock. Your time. Your turn. In, in wolf form, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to bite Ike then. Okay. Uh, through 17. Does hit. it hit? Seven damage. You, you always do seven damage. It's, four more. <laughs> it's a theme. So he's looking pretty messed up. Not dead yet. Paella. Shrimp paella. Your turn. Nah, I'm going to attack the wolf. Okay. Because. All right, attack. Because he's a wolf. Ow. That's. The only wolf around here is the one that I'm wearing. Oh, she actually is wearing a wolf skin. Oh. <laughs> She's wearing her people, dog. Do I get a blood rage bonus? 16. That's a, That's hit. a hit. Five. Plus five is ten. Wolf I'm form. Wolf form now. Oh, so yeah, yeah, it's right. Damage. Wolf form. Still gonna do my unarmed attack. It's a 17. Alright, it's a hit. One plus five is six. So, so you have more than 13 hit points for a wolf? Uh, I have 11 hit points. Yeah. So the wolf... Wolf diminishes, and he is now left as a little tiny gnome. He's back to his normal body. I use my key point. Your last key point? My last key point. What is it? It's a 16. That's a hit. Two plus five is seven. So you're up to 11 damage. So you hit him. It looked like it hurt. Virgil, who is moderately wounded, sees uh, sees this monk come back from the grave after he put her there with a shotgun he he tries to put her back from when she came firing <gasps> eight that is a miss nope you get me once shame on me morgan <laughs> with his last first level spell runs over to you laying on hands you now have seven hit points morgan's the worst right Morgan's laying hands on you out in the open. Morgan's just out in the open. <laughs> Dude, there's there's no wind like windcest. Mm-hmm. Curly, now that he can finally do something, he sees him coming in healing. Comes in with his long sword. That's a hit. Yes, Curly. Eight damage. Bring him to twelve, and he uses his action surge to attack again. Eighteen. Curly comes in and cuts down Morgan. Morgan's on the ground, bleeding out, taking death save throws. Ike's turn. Ike is rearing up with his great axe, and he is now attacking, I'm going to say... Me. So it makes sense that he attacked you again. Comes in with his great axe. Make stick! It's a crit fail. Oh, for heavens. One, but it's not that bad. He misses you. Edward Harrington's turn. All right, Edward. All right, so my back is against the wagon, and I'm, like, breathing hard, and I'm like, I'm the chosen one. I'm the chosen one. I'm the chosen one. <laughs> and I kind of peek my head up to see, like, what's happening. So it's a shit show. There's just, there's more blood than there should be in humans on the ground. Mm-hmm. Just people keep getting raised back from the from death's clutches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't like it. So it's too many clerics. On the bad guy's side, who's still up? Um, everyone but Morgan. Okay. Where to go? Oh, hey, if so, Lugash gets raised up. I think. Again? 
I'm tired of us. You putting... got you got raised up, Shrimpy. Hey, Dookie Master, how about you stay out of this? <laughs> okay. So I'm tired of people dying and then coming back. Uh, Dookie Master, I'm sorry. I do need your help, though. <laughs> you know, you're not gonna get it. What you said made I would, hurt I my want feelings. I to use the sleep spell, but it's very, oh, it's very complicated. Yeah. Deciphering Edward's ability to cast a sleep spell temporarily derails the battle, which eventually continues after a long fit of research and negotiation. Okay, yeah. So, Ready? 18, so they fall asleep, but they instantly wake up if they're damaged or somebody comes over and just wakes them up. With, like, say, a so, stick up their butt. So yes. you, like, describe it and tell me everyone who's asleep. So 18 damage, so it starts with how many hit points he has left. Down and dash. I like to die and dash with my buddy Edward. We got a theme song? So I'm a human. You guys both roll d20. What did you get? 14. 18. So you and Virgil fall asleep. It is now Lugash, Pugash's turn. Lugash. Two of your comrades have fallen asleep. Morgan is in death saves. I look at the man who did the sleep spell, and I charge. So I charge you with my warhammer, just yelling, You are gonna... Pay for this nonsense, you salad-tossing motherfucker! And I and I go as you're coming to me. I don't pay. I dash. So I rolled a twenty to hit you. Damn it! Okay, wait, wait. Or twenty in total. Twenty total. I do have my protection against good and evil on. This oh, it's against. It's only against aberration, celestials, fey, fiends, or undead. Hey, hey, players, this is Devin again. I misread a spell very badly, and it does not do what I thought it was going to do, and I'm going to get hit very badly right now. Nine damage. And I am now sleeping myself in an eternal slumber. Oh, you're taking death saves. Okay. All right, body knock. I'm going to say, without anybody waking you, you can make a perception check, and if you roll above a... 17 or higher, you can naturally wake yourself up. That's uh, 13, 16. 13 plus 3, so... Not yet. Paella, shrimp paella, your turn. I see Edward go down. Oh! We were about to dash, bro! And I go charging at Lugash Pugash. 15 plus... That's a hit. Have you missed? Jesus. She's a monk. Because she rolled that plus 5 for her uh, modifier. 13 plus 7 is 20. I'm down. He goes down. (laughs) Yes! So Virgil is asleep. He is making a perception check to see if the surrounding things wake him up. He does not. We got Cur- Curly rolls over to you, takes an op- takes a, a attack, an advantaged attack. No, it takes an attack. If he hits, it's crit. And it's advantage too. Oh, he misses. <laughs> make a make a perception check. Uh, sixteen plus three, so nineteen. You wake up. Damn. <gasps> he misses you and wakes you up because he's the worst. Ugh, Curly, seriously. All right, Ike. Goes over to Virgil. She's trying to finish him off. He hits him. 
kills Virgil. Virgil! I scream from my... From the grave. Well, I'm not quite in the grave. I'm right. two feet in. Make a death save, sir. Maybe. Okay. It's a four. <laughs> <laughs> so you fail. Lugash, make your death save. Shrimpy, put I me down. I rolled a four as well. <gasps> so you have one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you have one pass and one fail. Body knock, your turn. <laughs> I'm going to use a bonus action and cast Shillelagh. What are and you doing I, with this magical club? And Ike's in front of me, correct? Yes. Uh, I'm going to try and crack Ike over the head with my uh, wooden club. Do it. That's a Griffo. <laughs> Rolled again, see how bad it is. Five. Uh, you fall on the ground. You, you you bring up your hand to swing at him, but after getting woken up, you're still a little groggy, yeah. and you just kind of trip over your feet and fall onto the ground. Paya, Shrimp Paya, goes over to body knock to knock his body. 17. Ooh. Hit. Roll that d20 again. See if you get yeah. a 20. Because, because he's, he's on the ground, so you have advantage. Oh. 18. Oh. Jesus. It's all like... It's nothing but 15s to, to 18. 6 plus 5 Ooh. is 11. Uh, can I use my unarmed attack on... Is anybody else still awake? Or no, <laughs> everyone else is taking death savings to us. Well, you could try to put, him for, put us further into the grave. Please roll to see if you can... Finish the job? Finish the job on body knock. There's a child gnome laying in front of you and you're just going to punch it <laughs> in the face. <laughs> There's little tears coming from his eyes. It's, dying it's just so. like crystals glistening. It's adorable. He has little red bib overalls. Or hey. all you guys talking about how I was rolling so well. Now I'm just Virtual and Morgan both fail their their things. All of you are under are unconscious, taking death uh, saves. They come over and start wailing on you. Sad state of affairs at this point. For the Lugash game, you guys are dead. So I'm gonna I'm gonna call this a um, a death. After a hard-fought battles with ups and downs, jostling for power and position, the Dine and Dash crew, or at least one of the Dine and Dash crew has made it through victorious. Paella, shrimp paella, we congratulate you. And to the three of the four dead, see ya. All right, shrimpy, let's hear the deaths. Distraught from losing all my comrades in the Dine and Dash crew, I take it upon myself to make a visual of warning towards anybody to come at me with the uh, Pugash brothers and body knock. And I, I make this beautiful, like a scenery of them using their limbs and I interconnect them. I use several of your limbs in various places to make it look like you were so intimate with each other. You knew all the crevices. Um, cool. Do you guys have any comments, concerns? I, I just want to address that there's a, there was probably a really big difference in both of the parties in terms <laughs> that you guys had quite a bit of fun 
and like beandering and jokes rather than we were probably way more serious. Oh, agreed. <laughs> we wanted you guys to make them as a group yeah. and then split you up. You, you yeah. Those yeah, I did. And then like whenever I had to attack you guys, I was like, but we all made characters together. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This is just one big misunderstanding. It is one big... <laughs> Due process. Due process. <laughs> I don't know what I thought was going to happen when I had Wes do this idea, but I did not think that a halfling monk wearing a wolf's head called Shrimp Paella would be dismembering everyone at the end of it. So I guess history was rewritten there a little bit with the outlaws uh, winning that skirmish. Maybe someday the Pugash family will strike back, you know? Maybe hell will come with them. But uh, we may never know, and for now they're dead as shit. So see you next time. Headline to Tables, created by me, Christopher Patton, and Dungeon Master Wes Lytle. All the background music you hear in this show is by Kevin McLeod, and you can hear more of his awesome stuff at incompetech.com.